Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. Yes, I know. It has been a while, but only, we've only waited so long to regrace the airwaves with our presence when we had some really good shit to talk about. And this is one well, of the It only days. took so long because The Irishman is a thousand years long. We've got a lot of content here today. A lot of things to discuss. Mason here, along with my trust co-host, Jeff. <laughs> that was a joke from earlier that you people won't get from, to hear. Uh, two seconds ago. <laughs> Inside jokes. Um, for real, though, people with inside jokes are the absolute worst. Oh, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with having an inside joke. Flaunting it in front of people who aren't in on it is kind of well, mean. Th- well, do people have an inside joke and not flaunt it? I can think of two people right now from high school. You don't. You, I don't think you know them, but whenever they saw each other, they would say carrot, and they would laugh uncontrollably, and I wanted to punch them both in the face. <laughs> and it's just... Uh, there's... <sighs> it's just the worst. Like, and it's always something stupid. Like, I don't know what carrot means, but it can't be that funny for you to laugh that much. But anyways, it's not that funny. Stop being happy. Uh, anyways, so Cody, we got a lot to get to. First things first. Something that just broke a minute ago. That just to continue the chronicling of this particular film. A uh, Peter Sarsgaard has joined the Batman, twenty twenty one director Matt Reeves. Uh, Which Sarsgaard is that? That's Sarsgaard. So Which Sarsgaard is that? There's Skarsgards and there's Sarsgaard. He's Sarsgaard. Oh, there's not a Sarsgaard. He's a Sarsgaard. He's Sarsgaard. There's Skarsgaard. Are, are there? I've never heard of this guy before. Peter Sarsgaard. He's actually he's a low key. So have I seen anything? Let me. I'll run through his filmography. Which I love. I love this whole Twitter thing because usually Matt Reeves has been like using it to confirm people, and it's like who've been in the in like the wind, and now he's like oh. This is a real... Oh, it's finally confirmed. But this one just caught everybody off guard. People had no idea what they were. What okay, he was talking because about. Because most people don't know who he is, probably. Yeah, because he wasn't in the rumor mill at all. That was, well, the, that was the thing. something to do with it, too. Okay, so but... say when, when you know a movie. Dead Man Walking. The Cell. Wait. K-19, The Widowmaker. Do I know The Cell? Shattered Glass. Garden State. I've seen Garden State. The Skeleton Key. Heard of that one. Jarhead. Uh, an edu- yeah, I know Jarhead. An Education. Green Lantern. Blue uh, Jasmine. Who was he? Wait, 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 wait. Was he the scientist in? Yeah, he was the big head. Green boy. Lantern. Yeah. Um, honestly, Sarsgaard is one of my. He's, like, one of the most underrated actors, I think, overall. Like, he was in uh, one of my favorite movies of a few years ago, Jackie. He played Bobby Kennedy, and it was awesome. He was in Pawn Sacrifice with your fave, Tobey Maguire. Um, He was in... The Magnificent Seven wasn't great, but he was really good in it. He was a lot of fun. Blue Jasmine. I feel like I saw that one. Yeah, he's, like, the bad guy. Um, That was the one with Chris Pratt, right? Yeah. He was in The Looming Tower, which is a... What is that? Oh, that's the Obama political thing, right? He's been in a lot of theater. Burn This, The Seagull, Hamlet. Not bad. 
He's like an actor's actor. He really hasn't done anything that big, but he always kind of pops up in smaller stuff. And is like I've really actually really read good. The Seagull. Oh, nice. I saw the movie version of it. It was really... I had to read it for my Russian history class. LOL. There's about history. all the people that got fucked over during the communist revolution. Nice. It does Russian history pretty much equate to big sad. Well, not always. Most times, though. Yeah. Most times. Rest in peace. Um, so that's exciting. I think the, the people seem to think he's going to be Harvey Dent because Harvey Dent was rumored that he was going to be in it. Um, I still think Penguin. He's got, he has big Penguin vibes, but I guess. Yeah, give me a Harvey Dent as long as he doesn't turn into Two-Face in this movie. But then he'd, okay. Have him already be Two-Face or have him be part of the team. Part of the team. But his whole bit is that he's corrupted because he's, I don't know. I don't he'll know, Cody. Corrupted. He'll become corrupted. Nice. Could you? Could one say that he's Gotham's White Knight? He's the best of us. And he will be. That's not... Batman never says that. <laughs> does he say that? What does he say then? Like he was the best of us. And the oh, he's the one that to, says that? Joker wanted to prove... Wait, no, the Joker wanted to prove even the best of us could fall. But then what does... What does uh, Commissioner Gordon say? We uh, we better all than him. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that movie's so good. Uh, I need to see it again in, in IMAX. I, I will not rest until I do. Um, I will rest because I'm tired, boy. That uh, is one of the, the movies that is deserved to see in IMAX. I think the uh, a couple of a couple more things. Some trailers dropped this week. Uh, first was Black Widow. Didn't watch it. Yeah, pretty boring. Uh, pure basic Marvel stuff. I don't know. She's a spy. David Harbour's in it. He's got he's like hairy and has a big arm or something like that. Is the, his bit? I don't know. It looks totally what you would think a Black Widow movie would look like. So okay, whatever. Some people are jazzed up about that, and I'm not one of them. Uh, also, you hate women. Yes, precisely. That's why I have a mother. If I hate women, why do I have a mom, Cody? <laughs> Everyone has a mom. Jesus uh, didn't have a mom. Anakin didn't have a mom. Oh no, they didn't have dad. That's not true. He didn't have dad. Come on, dude. Get your <laughs> shit together. Get your Bible <laughs> lore together, dude. Don't know the lore. <laughs> but in more exciting news, the first trailer for Bond Twenty Five, No Time to Die, came out. Did you watch this one? I did. Was it good? It looked pretty. Uh, Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty, uh, pretty great. Pretty okay. Oh my god. Pretty sure they're making one. <laughs> I thought it looked great. It's got some cool you do. action and some cool spy stuff. And Bond's like got a bunch of guns. And Remy Malik's got like a mask. And Dude, Remy Malik is face. literally, literally the least threatening person in the entire world. He's so creepy though. I don't care. Also, most Bond villains aren't, like, physical uh, threats. They're more, like, manipulators and powerful. All the good ones. All the good ones? Are, like, what you said. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited about this. I think it looks badass. Uh, Christoph Waltz is back, which is very exciting, you know, from Spectre. Uh (laughs) Everyone's favorite. Yeah. (laughs) Remember when that was your favorite movie in 2015? 
and you left Steve Jobs in the cold, <laughs> and he hadn't he they he didn't know what to do. In fair in fairness to me, in defense of myself, I had only seen Steve stupid. Jobs the once, and I saw Spectre twice, so that's why it was my favorite. Well, why'd you see Spectre twice? That's the real question here. Because I saw it, and then I wanted to see it again, so I did. And I was like one of four people in the theater. <laughs> it was a weird. It was a weird time, Cody. It was a very strange time in my life. I bet. Excuse me. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. Actually, I think I saw. I saw. I think I saw Steve Jobs and Spectre like in the same month. Uh, Did they come out the same month? Maybe. Pretty sure. When did Steve Jobs come out? Spectre was October. Was November. Steve Jobs, twenty fifteen. Uh, da, 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 October twenty third. Okay, so not the same. God, that movie only made, only made thirty four million dollars. That's terrorism. Well, was it ever gonna make that much money? Like, I mean, it coulda. It should have gotten more Oscar buzz, because it's the best. But I don't know. Four years ago. Four years ago, Cody. Can you believe that? The decade is almost over. You know, we're all going to die soon. It's pretty lit. Um, but yeah, No Time to Die, I think, looks awesome. It's. I hope they don't do like a Spectre thing where Rami Malek is Dr. No. That's kind of been in the... People have sort of talked about that, but I don't think they'd make the same mistake twice. Is so. this confirmed to be... Danny Craig's last? Last one. Yeah. Do you really? I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. I do. do you think that they're going to make that black lady the new James Bond? No, no. Or the new 007, rather. No. Well, in the movie, she's probably going to be 007. But be only because he retired and they needed somebody <clears throat> to be the double take the 007 numbers, so they picked her. But do you think that she is replacing him? No, not in the series. No, they're going to reboot it in like. 20... You think so? Yeah, absolutely. 20, okay. 24, 25 probably is when the next Bond's going to come out after this. They usually take some time, which, you know, as they should. Um, they're going to have to do something different with it because I don't think they can keep doing contemporary Bond. But, I don't know, maybe 2024 20, or 5 is a vastly different world. And oh, it my God. Sense. Give me um, uh, Steve Jobs X, which is the uh, space version. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Bond. Why are you talking about Steve Jobs again? I didn't mean Steve. I meant Bond. I'm Bond. sorry. I think they're going to move it back to the 60s for this next one. And you see, that'd be, be pretty cool. Pieces. Yeah. That or even, like, I'd like to see one set. Do you think one um, set during World War II would be any good? Um, I guess, but, yeah, maybe. But in or the, let's, in jump canon, on, let's jump on the train and do uh, World War One. <laughs> in canon, though, Bond <laughs> is a World War II veteran, so... Oh, he is? Well, like, in... Not this new canon. Yeah, in the original books. No, that'd be awesome if it was a new canon. He's, like, 100 years old, actually. But he's just super jacked and hot. But, hmm. oh, Interesting. But let's not put the car before the horse. Let's let's let the movie come out and watch it, and then we'll, we can haggle over where the series is headed. So it'll be a long time coming before we really know. Um, okay, so... Um, Actually, let's yeah no we'll we'll save this to the end. We'll talk about Coldplay in a little bit because we will both have thoughts on it. Oh wow, we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, I know. I've been listening to it and I have some thoughts. 
Uh, Me too. <laughs> I've listened to it once and I've had some thoughts. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, dive into part one of this double feature here. Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Why is that part one? Alphabetical. Okay. H I J K. Elemental P. Okay, you're right. Okay. okay. I, I definitely didn't just sing the song in my head. I said, um, I sung it out loud. So it's cool. You don't know how good a friend you got. Russell, he took a shine to me right away. After a while, he started giving me little things to do. I know you read a lot of things about me. I just want to say I'm sorry. I know I wasn't a good dad. I know that. I know that. I was just trying to protect all of you. From what? You didn't see what I see, what I've been through. A friend of ours is having a little trouble. A friend at the top. Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Glad to meet you. Big business and the government is on the attack. You want to be a part of this fight? A part of this history? Whatever you need me to do, I'm available. Only three people in the world have one of these. And only one of them is Irish. You know how strong I made you? Okay. Uh, I feel like I've given my initial thoughts sort of spread out over the last few weeks, months even. So I want you to get started and tell us what you think of Martin Scorsese's The Irishman 2019, directed by Martin Scorsese. You said Martin Scorsese too many times. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. I, yeah, I didn't hate it at all. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say, honestly. Um, it was fine. It was way, way too long. No. Yeah, it was. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. But but it. What, what do you mean, no? It's not. But it it is. It's not though. How is it not? It's three and a half hours long for some fucking reason. It's three hours and like 12 minutes, 18 minutes. Three and a half hours. <laughs> you, don't you dare round up, Cody. Don't you fucking dare. Easily uh, three and a half hours. With credits, it's three and a half hours. But without credits, it's three hours and 18 minutes. Um, it's just not. It's it's not. I No, it's not long. It's not too long. It doesn't long. need to be that long. It does. I'm telling you, there are a lot of like little moments that they could have cut out. That would have made this movie half an hour shorter. Half an hour? No. no Honestly, no, no, you know no, what they no. should have done? And no. I'm going to kill you, so I here's swear a, to God. What do you mean half an You can easily get rid of half an hour. I've seen this movie four times, and there's not a frame Why? that I would take out. Because it's That amazing. is 12 hours. You've wasted half of a day watching <laughs> that fucking movie, dude. That's ridiculous. No, not um, at all. Not at all. I just I feel like there are a lot of scenes that could have been cut out, a lot of plot lines that could have been cut out. No, no, there's one plot line that the, I believe should have been cut out. Oh God, so toxic. because they didn't they didn't hammer on it enough for me to give a shit about it. And I don't know if you want to talk about that now or if you want to wait. We can wait. We can wait. This is going to be but, me defending this masterpiece from you. Defend it all you want, dude. I don't care if you like it. <laughs> I'm I'm happy you like it. I want you to like it. Good. But and I want you to like it. 
Well, I liked it fine. That's that's literally that's what you're gonna get out of me. I thought it was okay. 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 No, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Good. Because it was just it was it was a long, longer Goodfellas. Mm, I highly but disagree with, more, with that. But with more labor discussion in it. <laughs> really, not that much, to be honest with you. Uh, so my initial thoughts are. I kind of, I, I'll, I'll admit, Cody, I did jump the gun a little bit. I had, as of like a couple weeks ago, I had this as my number eight movie of all time. And I don't think that properly uh, dis- communicated how I actually feel about the movie. So I put it at my number four now. Of all uh, time? Yeah. Dude, you're such a cuck. <laughs> I love everything about this movie. This is... Obviously, an all-time favorite. I think it's incredibly rewatchable. I think it is powerful. I think it is cinematically potent. I think it is a perfect movie. I would say um, a perfect movie. A perfect movie of thing of wow. things that you can control. I don't think anything. I think ever. I think it works beginning to end, front to back. Not one frame I'd take out. Not one line I'd change. Nothing. It's absolutely perfection. Uh, I think it's Marty's best movie. I think it's the best movie of the decade. Uh, I think it's probably in the discussion. You're saying so many things and it just ran. (laughs) Best movie of the decade, dude? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it is. No. (laughs) No. I'm I'm sorry. What do you mean no? No. What do you mean no? Am I not not allowed to have an opinion? No. Oh, okay. Because you know what? You do this to uh, other people all the time. What? You uh, what? don't let you uh, uh, devalidate. Uh, you don't validate don't their parking. Say. You don't validate their opinions. Devalue their opinions. Devalue is a good word. Thank you. Uh, I'm me- I'm usually memeing. I don't really care. It's just fun. Yeah, I know. Just a good but, meme. Like your opinion's wrong. I'm serious about that though. I'm I'm not. <laughs> Wait, I am. It's not. You said you're not. So uh, boom, <laughs> I win. I just, I do. I can tell you, there, there's one plot line you could cut out would smooth the movie. I know, I know you, I know what you're gonna say, and I know, and I'm gonna tell you why you're wrong about that. But we'll do okay, that let's in hear a little it. bit. No, I want to hear it. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to that. I want to talk about the tr- the the main trio first: Bobby D, Al, and Joe. All my grandpas, all acting their hearts out. Pacino saying cocksucker so many times and being all old and cute and screaming solidarity Cody come on solidarity yeah he was good I'm, I'm not saying any I'm not saying he was bad I'm not saying anybody was bad everybody was really really good in this movie yes and just in general this is a very good movie mm-hmm. but it's long and you have to admit that it's a long movie for no reason no I, I, w- I, was, I was with you until the very end there. It is long for a very particular reason. What's the reason? Why did it have to be this long? Because, it's, it, first of all, it's pretty much a biopic. And second of all, a lot of stuff happened in this guy's life. And a biopic the, and the that point, starts with the guy is 50 years old? Yeah, but it go, it, it's not a traditional biopic. It jumps back and forth. But you see him when he's 20, and you see him when, in his 20s, and, his, and then you see him in his 80s at the end. So it's it's covering a person's life. And... Uh, I just think I, especially with all the things that happened to him and the people that he interacted with, 
I think the point of the movie was to paint a picture and um, of this person's life and the, the the decisions they made and the consequences of those those decisions and just the impact that they've had on a person's life. I, th- I don't think you can properly tell this story, uh, especially where the movie starts with where he is in the nursing home, you know, with the ring and the, the watch given him by two different people who kind of... Uh, v- who directed the sort of the tra- trajectory of his life. I don't think you can tell that properly in two and a half hours. I just don't like I, I, you look at this movie and if, if I visualize what a two and a half hour cut would look like, I don't think it would be as impactful because I think in order to tell the story, you need to live in his life for a while. And Scorsese said he went to Netflix and when he took the movie to Netflix and made it with their, with their money and he knew the situation where it'd be streaming and, you know, you could watch it from your couch and everything. He did, his intention was to sort of push the boundaries and see how far he could get with a runtime to hold people's attention and, and, and hold the movie, uh, just hold the story and, and tell it. And he wanted to see how long he could, how much time he needed to use to tell it. I don't believe that most people watched this movie in one sitting unless they went to a movie theater to see it. I think most people watched it like I did. And that's whatever. And he knows and he knew that coming in. And, you know, I'm not going to begrudge anybody for doing that because he not he Scorsese isn't either. I mean, it's on Netflix. The whole point with Netflix is that it's to your control and you can pause it and, you know, rewind it, whatever. Okay, it's but like if a DVD, the movie just like a Blu-ray be, or if DVD this needed to be so long, then why not make it a limited series? Because he wants. Because Marty makes movies. I don't know. Why, that's like asking a fish why it doesn't grow hair. It just doesn't do that. Well, I don't understand. Because what he essentially did was make a three-part series. No, he made a movie. This is a movie. It is not yeah, a movie no... that's easily cut up into a series. Yeah, but it's still a movie. It's still, when you but go to the movie section, it's still there, so it's not a TV show. Sure, I mean, if you want, I guess, by the strictest definition, you're correct. You can, I know, that's, and if, you, it's just, I'm not, I'm right here, I'm objectively right, it's not a TV show. I know, I, I just admitted that, show. so I, okay. I just admitted that, I don't okay. know why you're still harping on it. Um. People are going to, yeah, like like you said, people are going to watch it with however they watch it, and they're going to do that with Netflix just like they will with a DVD or a Blu-ray. So that, I don't really give a shit about that. It's it's what it is, to borrow a line from the movie, LOL. Um, but yeah, I do, I, I mean, I'm not going to convince you that it needed to be three and a half if you don't think so, and you can't convince me it could have been two and a half because you think so. So sort of at an impasse there, but the way I see it, why wouldn't you want to spend more time with a Scorsese movie? Why wouldn't you want to spend more time with these actors and stuff? Even if, even if you don't think it's paced particularly well or it doesn't work as three and a half, I would rather have more than have less. So, I don't know. That's where I am. I, mean, just, I guess it just depends on how much you like Scorsese. Okay, I like him a lot. And I think he's fine. Okay. I like most of his movies. I just... This movie is not easy to swallow. It's okay. Isn't that a too good... long? Okay. Right. And it's not has nothing to do with like the content. 
because this is it's interesting for the most part, mm-hmm. I would argue. Uh-huh. But it's just it's not not interesting enough to keep my attention for that long. Okay, all right, that's fine. I'll be honest with you. Uh, uh, was it uh, Amadeus? Probably wasn't. Didn't need to be as long as it was, and it didn't hold my interest throughout. But I certainly respected the craft, and I enjoyed it. Not saying you're not, but you know, Amadeus is art. <laughs> this is art too. <laughs> I love that movie so much. It was, a very, it was a very good movie. A little long though, long in the tooth, possibly. Yeah, sure. It's a little long. Yeah, I would Don't argue you... it doesn't need to be as long as it needs to be. There's there's some things you could cut out. Yeah. I don't hmm. like plot. Like you have, there are plot points that don't really mean anything in the long run of this movie, and that they take up a lot of screen time. Disagree. For some reason. Disagree. I mean, everything. I've seen the movie several times. Everything comes back around and has a place in the story, except for one. <laughs> one spot. Are we, thinking, are we thinking of the same thing? No. I know what you're thinking about, and I completely disagree. But what? what I, okay, so can you tell me what you're talking about? The scene when he goes down to talk to the guy Hunt with the big ears, and then it comes back and like he sees him on TV when he's with Al Pacino. That's the only spot where we're like, okay, that's. I get the 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 reason that that's in this in the movie is because the movie it, it, you, and you mentioned it's kind of like Goodfellas. The movie's sort of about Goodfellas, but not the things that you see. It's about sort of the mundane things of Goodfellas, where he's like driving a truck to Virginia to give some people weapons and then drive a car back. Like mm-hmm. this movie is about gangsters, but maybe fifty percent of it is like the cool, fun. Yeah, it's the boring gangster parts stuff. of the uh, the gangsters, and the rest of it, it's the, the rest of it is sort of the monotony that actually is what the life of a gangster is like most of the time, and kind of that's kind of the point of the movie is that this is actually what it's like because I think I think the movie is Scorsese kind of dealing with his own legacy and dealing with his the influence that he has is like when Goodfellas came out like uh, Blow by uh, the Johnny Depp movie and you know there's so many movies emulated Goodfellas, and even he did Wolf of Wall Street. It's like the rise and the fall, and you know, criminals uh, doing criminal things, and with Rolling Stone soundtracks, and you know, a lot of swear words and fast, fun editing. And this movie's kind of a reaction to that. And it's a sequel to Goodfellas in, in many ways, um, and I think the point of it was to show that sometimes it's about driving around and getting envelopes and talking to people about their store or saying, Hey, can you go talk to that guy? And it's about, it's not, yeah, it's not about the glamor of being a gangster. It's just about what it's actually like and how that life ultimately isn't worth it. Despite what some people think after seeing Goodfellas or Wolf of Wall Street or Casino. Do people talk about Casino? Not as much, but yeah, it's still, it's, it's honest. It's not that I don't like casino that much. It's not bad by any means. No, no, of course not. That movie is also super long, isn't it? It's three, but that also has Sharon Stone's character and it has James Woods and they're the fucking worst. (laughs) He especially is just awful. I don't know why James Woods put him in the movie. Yeah. Like as a person, separating him as a person and as an actor, I hate him in both ways, except for when he was, uh, Hades and Hercules. He was great in that. But in everything else, he's fucking awful. 
And as a person, like I said, just terrible person. Um, See, I don't know. Is he an actual bad person? Yeah. Or is it just Family Guy making me think that? Go on his Twitter feed. I don't want to. Yeah. I, yeah. It's... He's like the... He's like... He and John Voight are both like diehard Trump boys. And they're just the fucking biggest oh, dipshits in John, the world. John Voight's still alive? Yeah, Christ. apparently. Yeah. Very surprising. Um... But the thing you don't like is Peggy. His daughter, yeah. Yeah. I, You're right. You called it exactly. Yeah. I, I think... I they spend so much time on that plot line for some reason, and then nothing comes of it. Yeah. Nothing what? comes of it. He's, what comes of it? He's going to die alone. Nobody comes to see him. They, she said, and when he's with the nurse at the end, she's like, oh, I don't think I've seen her around. I don't think I've met her before. And he's like, yeah, they don't come around too much. She is the... What I was talking about earlier with the life of a gangster and the life of a hitman hit for the mafia up, yeah. is that the choices he made, you know, her throughout the movie, like her and Russell, Joe Pesci's character, like they don't, she doesn't like him because he's a bad guy and, and she and Hall of Frank's friends have funny names and they're, and she sees what Frank did to that guy and she knows that her dad killed Joey Gallo and that her dad did all this, but she likes Jimmy because he doesn't have a funny name. He's just a guy that wants to make people's lives better. And the way he goes about it, you could possibly, you could, you know, question, did he, with the means of which he did those things, uh, noble or unnoble, that's a discussion, that's a separate discussion, but the whole point and the way to tell the story is by using her. And she knows who he is before he does, really. And that she, once she, once she sees in his eyes that he killed Jimmy, the only person from his world that she liked, like he said in the, in the scene right after the phone call, which was incredible by De Niro, my, he says, my daughter disappeared from my life that day, just like Jimmy did and disappeared okay. in his family's yeah. life. And I don't think, and I think, the, and I think the reason why this is, and he's, I've wrote, written this on Letterbox, so I'm going to repurpose this for now. The reason why this is a better movie than Goodfellas, in my opinion, and why it's so powerful overall is that in Goodfellas, Joe Pesci's character, Tommy DeVito, he deserved to die. That He was a very bad person. He killed people out of spite. He killed people for no reason and seemed to feel nothing. You know, and he, you know, he shot Spider just because he told him to go fuck himself. He killed Billy Bats because he insulted him, and then he stabbed him a bunch of more times and made jokes about how he was you know, cut up in the trunk. Bad guy. Horrible guy. And his death was like the sort of the begin of the beginning of the end in Goodfellas. And in this, Al Pacino, Jimmy Hoffa, he spoilers by the way. Jimmy Hoffa occupies the same role where his death, after his death, everything comes crashing down. But the difference is that he didn't deserve to die. And the in the emotional impact that that had on Frank and then subsequently Peggy and then again back on Frank is why this movie is so great, I think, cuz it has a beating heart in a movie that is that should be cold, kind of like how Goodfellas is. And I don't think you get to that. And it, obviously, the movie didn't—you didn't love the movie, so that didn't work for you. But for me, that is what makes this so great. And I—that I, it has such a beating heart, and that its emotional hook is so strong. And I think Anna Paquin was great, and just—and the kid was even was also really great. She did a great job. Okay, so I see your point, Mason. Thank you. That's all I want. I understand. That is, that's all I why want. Why you believe the way 
Yes. You do? Uh-huh. I think the execution could have been better. How so? By focusing on the relationship more. Show more of a, de- or a degradation of their relationship. I think they did. Cause this- they didn't, though, because she didn't have shit to do throughout most of the movie. She was just kind of there the whole time. She was not a character. Oh, she absolutely was. I just told you. She was like, she liked Jimmy and she didn't like Russell. Yeah, but okay. And when she, when the scene after he kills Joey Gallo at that clam house, you know, when he like, you know, shoots him on the street and he comes home and he's sitting there eating cereal and she walks into the door and she sees, looks at t- the TV and she looks at him. She knows that he did it. Just because they're not, t- I mean, and there's been a whole online dumb discourse about how many lines she has, which I think completely misses the point. But oh, no, I don't care about how many lines she has. Yeah, just so it's, you know. it's, the mo- it's the moments that they focus in on. And, and when they're at the funeral and he, they're at her mom's funeral and he's standing there on one side of the casket and he looks over at her and she doesn't even move a muscle. And when he goes to the bank, she puts the clothes sign and walks away. I think... Uh-huh. I, I think there are several moments that, you know, visual storytelling, which we talk about a lot, that show don't tell, that I think makes that relationship work really, really well. If you're not saying you aren't, but if you're paying attention and if you can appreciate what the moments mean without them having to talk about what it means. And I'll, yeah, and you're right that she does get a lot more to do when she's a kid, not so much as, a, as an adult, but um, I still think it works extremely well okay okay <laughs> uh, sure i again i see your point. i think if you want and, and i i know you're not you probably won't won't for a very long time if at all but i think if you would if you watch this again you would gain you would appreciate it a lot more and you would that you, might be the case yeah and i hope it i hope we found out for sure because I think this is a very rich, rich movie. And okay, but let's let's move on to other things. Joe Pesci is Ruffle, Russell Buffalino. What did you think? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, he was he was good. Everybody in this movie was really great. Okay. Um, I so you're jumping for between good and great. So I'm just getting a little bit thrown off here. Do you hate the movie? No. Did I say that? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, like, are we talking no, like Oscar great, like Oscar front runners for you, like favorite performances of the year great, or just no good? Uh, re. Um, I mean, Joe Pesci was my favorite performance from him from the year. <laughs> is this is the only his only movie. I know that's the joke. Mason. Meme, bad meme. Um, he is old. Yeah, they're all old. <laughs> they're all old. Yeah, you can't that, and. I guess we can talk about the youthifying now. Um, it works as well as it can, but you know. so I can tell. So the faces work. Yeah, you can tell they look young, and they do a very good job of that. Yeah, t- but <laughs> their bodies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The way these people move around, <laughs> like the scenes where Robert De Niro is young. I know, I know. When he when he beats up the like, store he's owner, he's got to run somewhere. He has to do any physical labor. He's like. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, come on, just yeah, get an actor but that's or what something, I, uh, a different no, actor. No, I, I think you have to. I, I know that like it maybe stretches believability, but like I don't want to. I don't want a version of this movie where I don't get Joe Pesci in all of it or Al Pacino in all of it. And 
you know, and this is kind of a, I want to know what you think about, but this is sort of a way to explain it away from a, a sort of storytelling perspective that maybe Scorsese wasn't even thinking about. There's possible, there's a chance that he may not have really cared, but that because most of this movie is recollections, that this is how Frank, when he's in the retirement home is remembering it. And he only remembers them as old men. Okay. That's smart. <laughs> I I don't hate that explanation yeah. at all. I doubt that, like, I don't know. I don't think Marty really cared about all that. I think he just, like, I'm just going to, they just need to, I don't really care. Because they had, like, posture coaches to make him move younger and all that. So, eh, I don't know. The only times, though, that I really, that it really jumped out at me and I was like, eh, that's, uh, is there are three scenes. One of one we just mentioned where Frank goes and like beats up the store owner and you can just tell he's like seventy. <laughs> the other is when Al Pacino's in jail and he's eating his ice cream and he gets into that like fight. That fight, yeah. Yeah, like he's just like the way the lighting is, he's just like he's got a really bad old guy hunch. <laughs> and you can like kind of see it and his eyes are kind of sunken back a little bit. Overall How old is Al Pacino? He right now he's like seventy nine. <laughs> so oh when he made this God. movie he was 76 but he had work done in the 90s so he he's aged better than the rest of them because pesci is just like he is melting <laughs> fast but he's so cute he's my little baby boy bob still looks good uh but you know pesci pesci just he doesn't care he's just golfing and making records and you know he's doing it <laughs> he's a musician yeah he's got several albums i didn't know that they're so bad but it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I love Joe Pesci, but oh, his music's rough. Because he was actually, he was, I think he was, you know the mo- the movie The Four Seasons or whatever? Jersey Boys. He was going to be one of the Jersey Boys, but he decided not to or something. Okay. Like, yeah, I don't know, but I believe you. Yeah. Um, but no, and actually in canon, though, Joe Pesci's character was super old. Like, he died in the 90s when he was 90. So in the so the scenes when he and Frank are like at the truck stop and or like in the present timeline that we get that we start the movie off in when he's when they're at taking that drive right uh-huh. Pesci's only like a couple years older than what how old his character was at that time it was supposed to be yeah, okay so that was and Frank was supposed to be I think in his fifties in those scenes and then Jimmy was sixty two when he disappeared so yeah they kind of. But and they're all like in their seventies. So, but again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to think of a movie where they're not all playing the same roles the whole movie. So I don't really, I don't count that as a negative. Um, no, I mean, and it was only slightly distracting. Yeah, it wasn't anything that like really, really bothered me. Right. Good. Like I got over it. Yeah. I laughed a couple of times, mm-hmm. but I was always going to laugh at it. And I don't. I thought they moved relatively well. Honestly, like, think of like, think of seventy-six-year-olds that you know. Can they move as well I as these guys can? Any, I don't know any seventy-six-year-old. I know my grandmother is almost eighty. Um, no, they don't move that well. Exactly. So it's it's honestly pretty impressive that Al is able to move around like that, and Pesci can climb stairs. <laughs> <laughs> you know that scene in the early in the movie when he's covered in blood and he goes upstairs i was like eh, yeah. honestly not bad for a 74 year old or whatever it's pretty good and pacino is just a live wire ah he's got like i think no, pesci he's... pesci's my <laughs> pesci's my favorite performance i think he gives the best performance but 
I liked watching Pacino the most because he's so fucking unhinged and funny. And it's like that scene uh, when in his office when he's yelling at all those guys. He calls everybody cocksuckers. That was like, great. You motherfucker. I liked that scene. I really, really liked his that scene. Fucking Be- fathers. His fucking his fucking fathers. Locals. How do you do it? I really liked that um that part where uh, Robert Nero's just he's just done. He's like, I'm not gonna let you talk to me like that. Why would I let you talk to me like that? You got a problem? You pull me aside. He's like, oh yeah, because that, that seemed, wasn't for you. That, that was for so everybody great. else. Because he's so enraged when he's in the room, and then as soon as he comes out of the room when Frank leaves, he's like, where are you going? <laughs> where are you going? I wasn't talking. I didn't even see you there. When he's in the room, he's like, that cocksucker Kennedy's got his nose so far up my ass. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Pacino. And the, the bit when they're talking about Joseph Kennedy, like it's a couple scenes after. Do you remember that? I don't remember what they said, but. Uh, he's like, oh, the old, like, so they're going to talk to the old man. They're going to straighten this out. And, get, and Pacino's like, he had a fucking stroke. <laughs> <laughs> he's like. His kids fucking killed him. They killed him. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my. Pacino is just so. And then when he's doing his speeches, solidarity, solidarity. It. He is in amazing. He's such an asshole too. He's just talking shit to everybody. Has <laughs> he won an Oscar? Yes. He's only won what? one though. What, is uh, he, what did he win? For? He won for Scent of a Woman" in like the nineties. It was I've his. Never seen that. Yeah. It's his, like, we should have given you this Oscar four other times, Oscar. Oh, that's his The Revenant. Exactly. Um, this is like, okay, now we this has gone on long enough, and this is good enough, so we're just going to give the Oscar. But I really, I think he and Pesci are both going to get nominated this year, and I don't know which one I want to win more, because I really love them so much. I kind of want Pesci, because the last time Pesci won, he gave, like, um... He gave, like, a two- or three-word acceptance speech, and it was kind of a baller move, and I wanted him to give, like, a shorter one. Just be like, thanks, <laughs> and then <laughs> and walk off. But, um, but yeah, Pacino. Did you have a favorite Pacino moment? Um, I don't know. I think I that scene in his office was my favorite scene, I think. I think so, too. From him. Um, I think so, too. I thought just all of the ice cream stuff was pretty funny, yes. too. Yes, God loved his ice cream. Uh, oh, I also... <laughs> Liked that scene in, uh, when they were in the diner. And oh, and JFK died? JFK died. <laughs> he just goes up to the TV. Does he smile? Because they should have had him smile. That would have been funny. I think he's just at peace. Is the, I think it's, it's, more, it's more telling that he just doesn't even watch the TV and he just can listen to it and eat his ice cream. I think that was pretty great. I also liked when he had the flag raised after Kennedy died. Yeah, yeah, that part. Bobby's just another lawyer now. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, kept calling him Booby Kennedy and all that. Uh, oh, God, such a king. But there's so many great Pacino moments, and I just. Uh, but the let's move on to to De Niro. What did what was your favorite moment with him? My favorite moment with De Niro. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I really liked the phone call that he made to Joe Hoffa. Yes, that's mine too. I like he kind of owns the last 45 minutes of this movie. Well, the whole movie is his movie. Yeah, yeah. But there are there are scenes where that he's not in like the when Pacino and um Stephen Graham, Tony Pro are in prison. Like there's a handful that aren't of him, but 
for the move, the scenes he is in, I think, you know, obviously that, I think that phone call is like some of the best acting De Niro's done maybe since Casino or Goodfellas. I think he's just so great in that scene. He just, did you, what did you think about the stammer? Did you notice it throughout the movie or did it kind of come out? I noticed it. Yeah. Okay. That's very important. I thought, um, that, is that how the guy really talked? Yeah. Yeah. He had a bad stammer. Um, yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Pesci, what about him? Ba- favorite Pesci moment? You see, I, what did he even do in this movie? <laughs> he was definitely the most unassuming, the kind of blink and you'll miss it sort of performance. But I, there are kind of there. I'll mention, oh, he, he was powerful though. He, you know, the power that he exuded, I think was really palpable and strong. But the moments that I liked the most were at Frank Sheeran Appreciation Night when he just pretty much every scene he's in in that is just so great when he's like talking to other guys about he said that like he and the guy, the fat guy is like, yeah, he said that when they were talking about what Jimmy was threatening to do and like why uh-huh. why they had to kill him uh, when he talks to Jimmy. He and, he and Pacino only get that one scene, which is a shame because I would love to see more of them. But the one we got was pretty great uh, when he gives Frank the ring and he's like, look how strong I made you. And then pretty much every scene when they're on, when they're before, when he kills Hoffa, when they talk about what's going to happen, I just thought he was so great. And the scene with, at the Copacabana, when they, when he, when Joey Gallo, Sebastian Maniscalco's Joey Gallo, like walks up to him and gives him shit and they like stop talking. And when De Niro sits back down, he gives him this look of like, and then immediately it cuts to the bed covered in guns. Like you don't uh-huh. need, to, you don't need to the scene of him saying, Hey, go kill that guy. You just need that look. And I think I thought that was awesome. Um, but I really love every Pesci moment. Like it's, I, I, I really, he is my favorite performance, I think. Um, and I think he gives the best one overall with De Niro close second and then Pacino in third, but Pacino is my favorite to watch. So I don't know. It's a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, anything, any other further thoughts on the main three? No, I thought they were all very good. Mm-hmm. If you had to give, um, I think of the three, I think Al Pacino was the best. Uh huh. I liked Robert. Or I liked uh, Robert De Niro's character, but and I get he was the main character, but I just I really really liked the Hoffa in this one. Mm-hmm. Nobody threatens Hoffa. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, let's talk. Let's round out some of the supporting cast, and then we'll. I, I've want to get into some history talk obviously because we are both history boys Um, podcast yes uh steven graham is tony pro i don't remember who that was he was the guy that jimmy hated the one he fought multiple times the one who he couldn't get his pension yes okay um he was forgettable (laughs) okay well re uh i thought it was really good um well, the fun thing is that there's like this, there's three, there's like threes in this. So three of the classics. It's De Niro and Pesci and Pacino. De Niro and Pesci being like some of Scorsese's go-tos. And then Pacino being, this is his first Scorsese movie, but he's still kind of... Is kinda, that true? Yeah, yeah, it is. That's crazy to I me. I know, I know. Uh, he was going to be, I think he was going to be Jack Nicholson's role in The Departed. And then there was a couple other times where I think he was going to slide in. But this is the first time it actually happened, which is nuts. 
Um, but there's those three, the like kind of stalwarts, even I'm going to count Pacino in there because you know, he's old. Uh, and it was so seamless. It feels like they've done work together years and years before. And then there's and the if three. We're being, if we're being honest too, I mean, Kaitel. No, I don't know what I was going to say, okay. but it was, I was going to say something about, uh, but there's also Scarface, but which is basically just, yeah, that's one of those good yeah. fellas. Yeah, exactly. But then there's also the three kind of younger guys, the sort of up and comer, uh, Scorsese's of Stephen Graham, Bobby Cannavale, who is Skinny Razor, the guy from the beginning, mostly the beginning, and of course the most important character in Sebastian this movie. Maniscalco. Um, as Goat Joe Gatt. I was gonna say Jesse Plemons. Oh yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Ray Romano? He was good. Yeah, I loved Ray Romano in this movie. I think this is the best he's been. Yeah, he's really great. I like I like getting comedians to do these kind of roles because they just bring in so much energy. It's such a blast. Um, but yeah, Jesse Plemons was also very good. It's Chucky. He's always good. Poor he Chucky. Is just a weird guy. He is, and he works with a lot of great people. Like he always shows yeah, up. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's a he's good a good him. actor, but like, he that good of an actor? I guess maybe he's just <laughs> got a great agent. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's see who else. Uh, oh, Harvey Keitel was also in a couple scenes. Uh, he's very very old. <laughs> who was he? He was Angelo Bruno, the guy when Frank uh, blows up that laundromat and he, like, has to talk to Angelo, you know? Oof. Yes. Like, he comes yeah. in the... Yeah, he's the guy that he, Joe Pesci takes him yes, to yes, talk yes, to, yes. right? And, and, he's he's, like, and he's at the end listen, of that. Listen, that was my Jew laundromat. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then he's also kind of at the very end in the in the at the Frank Sheeran appreciation party. Um, I thought he would be. I thought he would have been in it more, but I guess not. You know, just a couple of scenes. He um, honestly probably couldn't be in it more. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he really had much to do with the story. Like he was the boss of Philly, but Frank still worked for Pesci and um, and Hoffa, so he didn't. I don't think he really had that much to do in the book either. So, but it was a fun little piece of casting and i like harvey he's cute little cutie pie um let's see i do want to talk about the editing real quick and i think one of the reasons why this works so great is a three and a half hour movie is that the editor thomas schumacher schumacher i'm not sure how to say your name is just such a fucking pro and uh you know the way that they use music in this especially to kind of speed things up without speeding them up is totally brilliant the music is fabulous um and the way they use it is even more fabulous. Um, not too much original music, which I think is is good, because Scorsese really doesn't use scores all that often. Um, not really so much with his, like, gangster movies. Especially. He mostly does soundtracks, right? Yeah, yeah, but this one was a nice mixture of, you know, you did get the score with that, like, the harmonica or the, like, that really low, um, like, cello note, like, you know, that uh-huh. one? yeah. Very, I thought that was very, very effective. Um, and, yeah, like, a lot of great fucking montages, though. Oh, my God. Like, just extended five, seven, even ten minutes with just the scores kind of playing underneath, and you sort of jump around a little bit. Like, the, the scene at the close to the beginning at the barbershop, do you remember that? There's, like, a barbershop, um, and a guy walks out, and then two guys walk in, and the camera holds on those flowers while you hear the gunshots. 
Yeah, I do remember that. I love that. I love that. And then when you meet Gallo and they show that scene in slow-mo where the guy gets shot and there's just that little piece of music that kind of plays underneath and sort of jumps up and down was brilliant, I thought. And I also loved how at the last 45 hour, there's no music. (laughs) I thought that was also great that, you know, when they're driving to take Jimmy to the house, there's no score underneath. It's just, just sits. And, and speaking of, in terms of, you know, progression and things changing, did you notice how the movie's saturation was kind of dialed down as it went? Like, the early scenes were a lot, like, when they're in the restaurant or whatever, very, are warmer. And then when you get to and the then scenes... it gets cooler as exactly. the time goes on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very smart. I like that a lot. Um, let's see. All right, let's get into the history of it a little bit before we start to wrap things up. Um, did you know a lot about Hoffa? Um, other than that he disappeared, no, I didn't know much about him at all. Mm-hmm. Me neither. <laughs> I read the book and I still was like, eh, not sure. Um... But uh, I, th- I guess I didn't really appreciate, and this movie did a good job of helping that out, how big of a figure that he was. That outside of, like they said, the president, you know, the Teamsters and him especially, he had so much power. Because if, they, if all they had to do was threaten a strike and whoever they were negotiating with they would come would to the table to because yeah. they're truck drivers and they, like, we, don't, we can't get our stuff without truck drivers. And it kind of makes you sad, and because uh, unions nowadays are really not that powerful, and there's hardly any. Like you know, uh, the Teamsters are around, but do they really have that much power? Like, do they, you know, the really the biggest unions in the uh, that I hear of on a day to day basis, and I think affect life overall, are probably like the like professional athletes, like the NBA, NFL, MLB, cause, teachers union. Teachers, eh, yeah, that's true. The teachers union as well. They've they've certainly made the news, uh, you know, West Virginia and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, as as a piece of history, it is it is an interesting sort of portrait of sort of the power that unions had before, you know, like Hoffa said, big business kind of came in and uh, ruined things because big unions are bad for business, and unfortunately, that unions or big business wins out a lot of the time um and also an interesting note when we talk about unions in hoffa he wasn't exactly wrong like there's a line in the book saying that jimmy when he first went on trial it was for a misdemeanor and then he turned it into a felony because he didn't want to have that on his record he didn't want he didn't want to want to be even charged with a misdemeanor so then he committed a felony to get rid of the misdemeanor Uh uh-huh and I want to ask you, do you think Jimmy Hoffa is, do you think he was unfairly targeted by the Kennedys and all and the, the machine, I suppose? I mean, isn't it implied in this movie that he had people killed? Mm, no. You sure? Yes. He, it kind of really seems like that. He never told Frank to kill anybody. But any any hit that Frank committed was mafia sanctioned, and that was part of the struggle that that the movie's about is him being pulled between Jimmy and Russell. But ultimately, Russell wins out, and he doesn't kill on Jimmy's behalf. Yeah, because the mafia pretty much controlled. So the, do I? Don't know enough about this topic to uh, okay answer that fairly. If I'm being honest with you, okay. 
I don't know shit about Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> but you know, he was an interesting guy. I know uh, Chino did a pretty good job. Yes. Um and also also I love a I love a performance where there is such a you know, there is hours and hours of testimony you can hear Jimmy Hoffa speak, and I kinda like it when somebody just doesn't give a fuck, like like Pacino did, and it's just like I'm just gonna play it like how I would play if I didn't know who he was. Like when you're playing King Richard the Third, you don't have any you know, like uh Yeah. You just like what is his character's essence and how do I play that? And what what did people say about him? I don't I don't need to know so much how he sounded and looked. Because that was what was wrong with, with I thought, Nicholson's performance. Because, I don't know if you know this, Cody, but Danny DeVito directed a movie called Hoffa about Jimmy Hoffa. I did, you know, I looked it up yeah, yeah, yeah. the other day. And it's just like Jack Nicholson doing an impression under a bunch of prosthetics. And that has its place, for sure. But I kind of like this, I like doing this route better. I like capturing the essence before getting into throwing a bunch of makeup on and wigs. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, and most of the people in this didn't really have much to work off of because it's mafia and they don't really testify. They don't go in front of cameras too often. Um, but uh, actually, speaking of that, a couple notes about Russell Buffalino. Not what you think, not the name you've, you've heard before this movie, I'm assuming. Nope. However, you do know of him. First of all, he was a, his sort of family, I guess, covered lots of Northeast Pennsylvania and upstate New York. Like in the book, there's a lot of mentions of Binghamton and Ithaca and Syracuse and how he had business there and that he was kind of around. Um, do you remember in The Godfather how they had that plot line about um, Vito Corleone uh, and that movie producer? Do you remember that? Um, no. So Al Martino, who is Vito Corleone's godson in the movie, wants a part in this movie. In a, in a movie, in, yeah. in the movie, a movie in the movie. And he doesn't get it, so he asks Vito for help, and Vito sends his lawyer out to get him the part, and they cut off the horse's head and put it in the bed. And he yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Russell. That story was, was taken the one that from... Did that? Russell, except Russell did that in The Godfather for Al Martino to get the part in The Godfather. So the movie was based... That, that part of the movie was based on something Russell actually did. Like, one for one did? With, like, an actual, like, a horse head? I don't know if he did that part, but he got... He applied pressure to get the movie. To get that... that To get his Al Martino in the movie. Like, there's... In the book, there's a picture of Russell Buffalino and Al Martino together. And, obviously, some chapters uh, about that. And, uh, and he also... There was also rumors that Russell Buffalino had final script approval over The Godfather. And that several gangsters said that more than any other Russell Buffalino mostly encapsulated who Vito Corleone was and the kind of person he was was best reflected in Russell Buffalino. Okay. But he was very, unlike Joey Gallo and somebody like Al Capone, he was very private and he didn't want people to know his name, which is partially why you don't know him. But he is one of the most influential mafia figures of the 20th century. For sure. Yeah, very interesting. Um, kind of obsessed with this movie, if you can't already tell. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. The uh, Kennedys. I've never I'll, heard of them before. I'll be honest. One of the reasons why this ranks so highly is because this movie, not as much as JFK, obviously, but it is so much about the Kennedys. And these movies kind of, and it, this gave me, more than any other movie I've ever seen, this gave me the closest feeling to JFK. And they feel like pieces of the same 
story, I guess. Except this movie says the mafia killed Kennedy, and that movie's and JFK says that the intelligence community killed Kennedy. So, eh. oh, another fun thing. I'm sorry, I'm I'm just totally taking over, but I think this is. Uh, I <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm listening. Do you know the scene when Frank goes to? He drives a truck and he meets that guy that looks weird with red hair. Um, a fairy nope. named Fairy. Yeah. Okay. When he backs up the truck and this guy's got these weird eyebrows and this wispy red hair. Yeah. Uh huh. Joe Pesci played that character in JFK. Is that true? Yeah. It's cute. And I had no idea about that when I saw it for the first time, and I about pissed myself. I was so excited. I was like freaking out about it. Um. But yeah, that was that was awesome. Uh, I'll stop talking. I wanted to hear about you. Did this movie seem? Did this story seem plausible to you? That that's the way it happened. Did Frank's story in particular, like how he said things went, did that seem plausible to you? Yeah. You think he killed Jimmy Hoffa? I never said that, but... Well, I said it was plausible, and you said yes. It's but... plausible. That doesn't mean that's what I think happened. I don't know what happened. Nobody okay. knows what happened. No one's ever going to know what happened. Frank said he did it. Well, yes. This... A bunch of people have taken responsibility for it. I looked it up. I know. But does this one seem extra plausible because of the evidence? Because they made a movie about it? No. No, because they wrote a book and then made it into a movie. This all exists as a book. No. (laughs) No what? It doesn't doesn't make it extra plausible because they made it into a movie and a book. Good. That's a good attitude to have. I agree. But I think think this is like 90% true. Because I'm we're. I'm sure I listen. I will. I'm sure half of the stuff that he takes credit for, or more than half, yeah, actually happened. But so the, I mean, everybody, every old mob hitman wants to be, yeah, the guy that killed Jimmy Hoffa. But not at. But no mob. No person who's made that claim beforehand has really had as much actual evidence to back him up because there's there was actually a, a document that came out. Uh, I think in the 70s, that named 13 or so members of the Cosa Nostra, like suspects that they think were involved in Jimmy Hoffa. And Frank Sheeran was the only non-Italian on that list. Okay. And there's, you know, and that bit about him at the Frank Sheeran Appreciation Night is is true. And the fact that he hung out with Jimmy Hoffa, all that is true. But there's, you know... Everybody's dead, so there's really no... You're right, we're never going to know exactly what happened, but for as far as I'm concerned, this is the most credible uh, account. Because even some of the other sources and even some of the other people who've written about this disappearance, they've kind of all admitted that Frank was... that Sheeran was in the area, and that either he or the guy at the end, Sally Bugs, the one he shot in the face, were the ones who did it. The one who did it. Were the ones who did it, yeah. Hmm. But again, sure. some, when it, when it's a movie, it kind of is, this is sort of going to become history. So my point is that if you're gonna, it's probably the most credible story that you could have gotten that we that we're gonna get. I think, but you never know. Um, did you did you care? Did you know at all much about the mystery before this, or was it kind of because it's kind of one of America's sort of biggest mysteries, I suppose. All I knew about before this uh-huh. was I watched an episode of Mythbusters <laughs> about where Jim. they looked for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't find him. 
That's a bummer because they they went to Giant Stadium, right? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That always that always sounds like bullshit to me. I think the cremation thing is pretty likely. I think you get yeah, of the theories that make sense. That yeah. makes most sense to me. If there's one about him in a car, like they put him in an oil drum and sent him somewhere. There's one about him being put into a car, being having into a compactor and sent yeah. to Japan. Like uh, I don't know, whatever. This seems this seems most likely. I can I don't know. Like I said, I'm not going to say it's 100 percent true, but I'm comfortable saying 90. Because the 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 other big mystery of this movie that it kind of addresses was the Gallo hit is like one of the most legendary mafia hits ever because it also is unsolved and it was like a huge moment and the funny thing is that when when it first happened the police put out a report saying it was three gunmen seen coming into this this restaurant in manhattan and in actuality they said that but they knew that it was only one but they wanted to get they put out that fake story to so if somebody called and said hey i know who did it i know it was it was these three guys then they know immediately that that person's full of shit it was lying. Yeah. And on top of that, in the restaurant that night, there happened to be a woman who later, I think maybe at the time, no, who at the time was a journalism student, went on to write for the New York Times, who identified Frank Sheeran as the shooter, which I think gives the Hoffa thing more uh, uh, credence, I guess. Why? Because he did the Gallo hit, too. And that okay. that's another, that's, if he did... Why would he claim to do another legendary hit if he hadn't... Why would he claim to do two? What am I trying to say? Why wouldn't he The, claim the to fact do that two? he did one makes me think it's very likely that he did the other. Okay. And we're pretty I much... That. I see what you're saying. We have a lot more evidence. Not much, obviously, but a lot more saying that he did the Gallo hit. You know, an eyewitness identification that he was not an Italian-looking guy, and that he matched his build, and that she saw his face and was able to identify his picture. So, oh, well, what does Italian look like? Black hair, oily skin—not oily skin, Jesus. but you know, <laughs> black hair, darkish, uh, Sicilian Italian skin. Everybody knows what an Italian person looks like. I know. This is fucking with you. Okay. Okay. Because you're a racist. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, though, that. In this movie, Joe Pesci is the only one who plays his nationality because Frank is played by De Niro, who's Irish, and then Pacino, who's Irish, plays Hoffa, who is like Eastern European. So that's funny. Al Pacino's um, Irish? No, he's Italian. Did oh. I say Irish? I meant to say Italian. I thought you said Irish. No, he's an Italian, obviously. It's Al Pacino. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's see. Any further likes or dislikes before we move on? Um, nothing. I mean, no. It was fine. It was very good. Cody, you're upsetting me so much. I know. This I know. is making me laugh. Okay. Um, I haven't heard you laugh yet. Oh, well, I'm laughing at you. Okay. Not with? At? Not with? At. Bummer. Um, uh, let's see. Final thoughts, then. I think... Like I said earlier, this I think this is the best movie of the decade. I think it's one of the best movies of all time. Spoiler alert, it's my number one of the year. <gasps> Shocker, I know. Um, it is one of the most rewatchable movies for me. Uh, the fact that it's on Netflix is hard because even now talking about it, I kind of just want to go back and watch go back it again. Go back and watch it. Yeah, because I'm weak. Um, 
and I just I just love this movie. Um, and I think it's great. Oh, one more thing. Uh, how on a scale of one to ten, how funny did you think this was? It had its moments, but I wouldn't call it a comedy or anything. So where on the scale? Uh, six. Okay. Okay. I can confirm it plays a lot better with a crowd. Um, but there's a lot of also niche humor that like only people who like have seen Goodfellas a million times would kind of laugh at. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, I very, very funny. Mostly from Pacino. He's the fucking king. Yeah, he's great. Oh my God. He's so good. His fucking father's logos. Damn it. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill every one of you. Uh, God, Pacino. What a gift. Um, talk to me like that. Uh, Pacino. Uh, final thoughts for you. It was good. I mean, don't let my lack of enthusiasm. Well, compared to me, you dissuade you you from seeing this movie, but right. I just, I'm not that into the mob as you are. Right. Fair. I'm looking at it now. My top four movies all have to ha- all have an element of organized crime to them, of all time. Dark Knight, Godfather, JFK. Oh. So that's just it's just my shit, you know. And then my fifth yeah. is about spies and stuff. But so not really. That's completely fair. And then my seventh is Harry Potter. So you know, that's not that movie sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. The last one is is I have it as a placeholder for the rest. Um, but. Uh, yeah. Grade it up. I will give it a 5 million out of 10. I'll give it an, an, an eight and a half. Really? Okay. It was good. Okay. I, I, I was reading more seven, but eight and a half. That's great. That makes I me very happy. Funny. That makes me very happy. So on average, our score is about seven and a half million out of 10. Not bad. I think that's Fair probably enough. one of our high, highest. <laughs> I really do. Like, I can't profess enough how much I love this movie. I just, uh, it's every, everything I hoped it would be. And I just think Marty's outdone himself and he's made some of the best movies ever. And this is just, wow. 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 Uh, okay. I feel like I still haven't scratched the surface as far as talking How about this movie goes. How long have we goes. been talking? You... Three and a half hours. No. No, Let's... seriously. I mean, because maybe we ought to cut this into two episodes. No, Knives Out. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live till I die. You think one of his family walls, walls. killed? Is that what you're suggesting? You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, oh eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely eat shit. You know something. Spill it. 
expect foul play. And I have eliminated no suspects. <laughs> long, Irishman's long. This episode's going to be a little bit long. Knives out. Boop. Bada bing. Yeah. I have a feeling you like this more than Irishman. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. I thought a lot of bit. A bit. A lot of bit. Uh, initial... I, had a lot more fun. I had a lot more fun watching this movie than I did The, Iron... the Irishman. Okay. Uh, initial thoughts on Knives Out the movie. Knives Out the movie was great. It was a great whodunit by Ryan Johnson. Were your expectations <laughs> defied? My expectations were subverted in a good way in this movie. Nice. Very nice. I also, I've had this circle on the calendar possibly before anyone else in the world. So uh, this is very much my shit. And I can say it delivered not what I expected, but definitely I'm glad what it ended up delivering. Cause I Did think it, it was subvert your expectations? Very much so. Very <laughs> much so. Uh, I assumed, like everyone, that it was going to be a straight whodunit. Somebody's going to die, and then we're going to spend the movie figuring out who did it. And then we're going to find out the end. And because I'm a dumb dumb, I didn't think that Ryan Johnson would flip this kind of flip the script, so to speak, and do what he did. And we'll get into spoilers in a minute. And I'm just so happy he did it because it is, it you know, you kind of have to love something so much that you kind of want to destroy it. And that's sort of what what this movie felt like to me. That you know, he's like, oh, I just he's talked a lot about how. You know, he didn't want to just do your basic sort of clue gathering and then here's the finale. And he wanted to be playful and do something different. And I think that's exactly what he did. And Knives Out, I think, is also one of the best movies of the year. The funniest movie of the year, I think. Um, I laughed a ton. It's You didn't see Good Boys, dude. I did see Good Boys. <laughs> oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. I thought that was hysterical. Actually, is good. Did we I... talk about that? Because I didn't. You didn't like it? Not very much, no. Oh, I thought it was funny. It's disposable, but no, I thought it it relied way, way too much on just shock humor, like shock value of little boys are cursing. <laughs> I the things Can I laughed you, at the most. Can you believe what they're saying right the thing, now? Thing, the things I laughed at the most were not had didn't have to do with that. So I guess the kid from Room said fuck. Okay, let's 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 focus up here. Anyways, uh, along with Booksmart, it's one probably it's one of those two is the funniest movie I've seen in the year. I don't know which one. Um, I think I laughed more at Booksmart, but I think this one was funnier. If that makes sense. Uh, and I just loved it. I thought I loved every minute of it. I'm definitely gonna go see it again. Uh, I'm very excited too. I'm gonna own buy this one on Blu-ray and the whole spiel. I really really loved Knives Out the movie. Oh, so you you think you could watch this again? Oh, for sure. Without, uh, I want to. I want to see what I missed. Yeah, that is always fun. Yeah, for sure. And it's also just a fun movie. It's you know, this is kind of what the movie that we. Oh, actually, we forgot to do something. Irishman, content movie, film, cinema. Uh, film, cinema, for me. Uh, Knives Out. We might as well do it now. I think this is a movie, and I think that's what makes it so great is that it's something it it just works on every level it's a great i would call this a, a film it, really it's a film that uh well what was what was your crowd like <laughs> my crowd didn't think this movie was nearly as funny as i did oh, okay uh <laughs> you didn't let that stop you and that's why you're a good man i was the only guy laughing <laughs> <laughs> 
My crowd died. Oh my god, we were fucking. Uh, it was lit, man. It was so great. Uh, really, that's. Hmm. Yeah, I really didn't think it was that funny, and that was. Or I guess they were probably. It probably isn't that they didn't think it was funny, but they were too, too into it. You know. Oh okay, that's good. I guess that's they were. Theory. I think they were all trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sort of takes that, like he. You know, Ryan sort of said on the press tour, it's like he wanted to take that onus off of the audience and kind of give it to you, give you the reveal at the beginning, even though obviously is another reveal coming later, but still. I did. I really liked that. I think that was probably my favorite part of the movie was how mm-hmm. it was right at the beginning. He didn't put bullshit around and say, like, make you guess mm-hmm. who did it. He said, should we get into spoilers or? Yeah, yeah. So. Marta I killed like, Harlan yeah, Thrombray. On accident. Thromby. Or did she? What do you mean? At the end. Oh, yeah, you're right. That yeah. is the... That's the... Yeah. The trick. So, uh, spoilers, I guess. So, the the bit and the scene with the two of them... By the way, they, those, those two are adorable together. And Anna, Anna de Armas... Oh, my God. I lo- I've seen many more murder mysteries, and I can tell you that pretty much all of them are about the detectives... And they're the main character, and they're the journey that we have to go with. And the brilliance of this movie is that the detective is kind of off to the side, and the lead character is somebody involved in the crime. And that we, it, so we can experience it through them, and we don't have to do the same old. Because detect, the detectives are kind of the the boring characters, especially when they don't have any to work off of. Like Sherlock Holmes is great; he works as a main character, but somebody like who this this is based on partially Hercule Poirot. He doesn't really have any people that he's working with. He's sort of solitary, and it's a... Murder on the Orient Express is a fun-as-fuck movie, but it's not as cinematically rich as something like this is, where, you know, the detective is, like I said, more supporting, and we can experience the movie through a different character while still having the fun detective stuff, like at the end when he does the whole evidence speech, which is the uh-huh. best. Um and I thought Marta Cabrera was an awesome character. I thought she was played brilliantly, performed brilliantly, and it just—it's well, because she's baby. <laughs> I hate that meme, but stop it, dude. She is. She was so good in this movie. She's, she's a so great good. actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gonna be in Bond. She's gonna be Marilyn Monroe in a big biopic next year. So that's she's having a. This is the beginning of her I moment. I don't like. I don't like that. Oh, she's gonna kill it. Why would she be Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> because she's yes. not white. But that doesn't wait. Wasn't was she not white? Ana de Armas. No, Marilyn Monroe. No, she is. She was. What the hell? <laughs> That's white face. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. Um, Ana de Armas is awesome. I love the. Did you, what did you think of the throwing up bit? <laughs> I thought that was great. That was a really cool twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was funny. Kind of, I thought it would get silly because I sort of knew of it to come in, coming in, but the way they executed it was just awesome. I really, really liked how the story was written around it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the, at the very end, it's like <laughs> when she throws up on Chris Evans. <laughs> so the so the other spoiler is that Chris Evans is like the actual uh, bad guy. Bad suppose, guy. Yeah. That he switches the uh, the drug so. In, the, in that beginning scene, she accidentally gives Christopher Plummer the wrong drug, 
and it's a like, shitload of morphine. Yeah, that would kill him. So he kills himself and stages it as a suicide so she can get off scot free. So she doesn't and get all of his money. Yeah, and he also without telling her he at that moment he also leaves her everything when he dies. He like well, he was going to do that anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, but he did, the way he killed himself was he did so especially to make sure that she would not get you know charged with the crime and have it taken away from her. Yeah, and we later find out at the end that actually he she injected him with the right thing because Chris Evans' character mislabeled everything. But she's a good nurse. Yeah, but she's a good nurse, so she could tell which was which, and she actually gave him the right dosage, so he didn't need to kill himself. She did not give him the morphine, so he would have been fine. She's fucked up. I don't like that. Why? Because he still killed himself for no reason. I know, that's a bummer, but... Yeah. They didn't really address that, and... Maybe they didn't. I just need to see it again, but... I need to see it again regardless, so I'll get back to you on that one. I really, but, really want to see it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very rewatchable movie. So rewatchable. So funny, too. Oh, my God. Like, I know it's a lot of it's kind of internet-based humor, and you have to have some proficiency with Twitter to understand some of it, but I think it's, despite that, I think it's still really, really funny. There's a lot of, a very variety of gags and jokes and stuff. I really like, there's a lot of really great jokes in that movie. So let's run through the cast. So Daniel Craig is Benoit Blanc, the detective i kind of want to know a little more, more about because this movie set in 2019 of how a private detective like benoit blanc could be famous and the kind of things that he, what cases he could solve because if she we don't have any famous detectives now i just want to know, i want to read that new yorker article is what i'm saying <laughs> um uh tony collette is somebody's ex-wife who kind of hangs around the family thought she was really she really was funny. not blood related to What's uh, his name? Harlan, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, uh, or she was... Divorced from somebody. Was it divorced or widowed? I think divorced. Because I don't think anybody died. I think divorced. But then I can't what happened who... to her husband? No, I think she was divorced from uh, Michael Shannon. No, I don't think that was the case. You know what? We have the internet. One second. Yeah, I was going to see. Knives Out, the movie. Excellent film, eh? Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Tony Collette is Joni Thrombe, widow of Harlan's deceased son, Neil. Oh, okay. Whoops. Told okay. you. You're, hey, you're a smart boy. I'm a dumb boy. Um, <laughs> uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was Linda Drysdale. She's Harlan's eldest daughter. Loved My, her. Michael Shannon was Walt Thrombe, his youngest son, who was in charge of his publishing, publishing company. company. Don Johnson was Richard Drysdale, who's Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Tony Joni, the aforementioned. Uh, Catherine Langford is Meg Thrombe. Jaden Martell is Jacob Thrombe slash Ben Shapiro. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Plummer is Harlan. <laughs> the, but I, the that character kind of had nothing to do. Like he didn't really get any lines or anything like that. But the jokes ain't. No, he him didn't were. have any lines, but he had the best lines. Oh my god! When Daniel Craig is like, "Now nah, the Nazi child was masturbating in the bathroom," <laughs> and somebody's the like, "What Nazi child?" And he calls uh, he calls uh, Marta an anchor baby. Yeah, I can't, dude. It was so funny. And when somebody's like, "What are you doing, swatting Somalian refugees?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did the political stuff like annoy you or get under your skin at all? No, it was funny because he was making fun of only he was only making fun of extremists. 
Okay. I don't think we should go down this road. <laughs> tell me that, what, are you going to tell me all Republicans are like that alt-right little boy from it? I think they're all like Don Johnson. I think fringe extreme Republicans are like Jacob Tremblay, or Jacob Tremblay, uh, the, or like the Ben Shapiro kid, but all, pretty much all of them fall into the category of Don Johnson, where you're just an asshole. And we shouldn't get into this. I know. Because I'm right, and you know it, and you yeah, don't want to, and you're not intellectually isolate half of our audience. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Because all of our audience is old, I bet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who listens to this fucking podcast. Also, funny things Michael Shannon, when, uh, when if they find out that Ransom got written out of the will, and he's just like screaming at him, he's like, What? Have some more cookies. Do you remember that moment? Yes. That was great. Oh my God. Um, there's so many, like, really just fucking hysteric. Like, the, the puking, obviously, is so good. Um, there's a there's a scene in the car when she pukes in the cup when she's driving around Chris Evans. I, I wanted was that to be it. a joke. Yeah, yeah. That, was like, that oh, wasn't as boy. much of a joke as I thought it was going to be, and it kind of disappointed me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's just I think the the racist Nazi child masturbating in the bathroom got the biggest laugh from my theater. I just we they freaked out and they should have. It was so fucking funny. <laughs> Just the way that like, was that was funny to me too. Daniel Craig's accent was just so insane. The Nazi child. Now the Nazi child. It's like, oh fuck yeah! Inject this movie into my veins. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield was also very good as Lieutenant Elliot, one of the cops. Noah Segan as Trooper Wagner was also really really funny. Like when we he, seem to, uh, did you believe but, that they might be trying to push that Lakeith guy a little bit too much? Uh, We've seen I, in a I, lot of movies. Oh, oh, okay. Um, uh, no, I think I think I think he's an awesome performer. So I'm happy to see him and stuff. He was in Get Out. He was in um, Sorry to Bother You. He was in this, and then there was Dude, something. He was else. in Death Note. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, don't. <laughs> I think he's a, I think he's fun. Uh, he's oh, he's okay. in Girl in the Spider's Web. Ew, gross. That movie sucked. Uh, he's in Uncut Gems, which is coming out, which I'm very excited about. Apparently that movie's really great. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm seeing it next week. I'm very pumped. Um, uh, no, I think I, I, I like. I think he's been he's been getting good work. He's been in good movies. So like, if I see him, I know it's good. So that's helpful. It's like, is this worth seeing? It's like Keith Stanfield in it. Okay, I guess we'll check it out. Catherine right. uh, Langford was my uh, her. She was Meg Thrombay, Thrombay, and I think one of the most satisfying and fun things about this is that. Like this move in the movie, like they keep calling Marta like she's like Different family. And well, no, they keep uh, getting her country wrong. Oh, that was another great joke. Like Venezuela, Cuba, Guatemala, like oh my god, just the worst. Um, and there's like, oh, you're like family, but she didn't get to go to the funeral. Everybody says she was. They were outvoted. <laughs> like several people say they were outvoted to her, so you can tell that that's just what they're saying, and that's she, they did probably voted against having her there. They're just saying it because they're you know. Dicks. and you know they immediately obviously they turn on her once she gets the the will sent to her and like they just freak the fuck out and michael Sh- the scene with michael shannon when he shows up at her house he's like that was were, that was scary he's, he's like yeah but like, he's like if you renounce the will then we'll like we'll take care of you you know we'll get the best lawyers money can buy to make sure your mom can oh, see in the country like, i can afford she's like well <laughs> i have the money exactly and she just shuts him down ah so good um, and I just, and with Meg, Meg too, which I was kind of trying to talk about earlier, a minute ago, I love that her character seem is the most woke one, and she's like, 
you know, in college and she's studying some, you know, Ryan Johnson wrote some joke about people with useless majors. I can't remember what they said she was studying, but whatever. And she was the person, I think, ultimately, who was the most duplicitous about how when she's calling her and promising and like she fucks her over and like everybody on the everybody's on the other side of the phone to get the information. And she's like this two faced bitch and like, you know, totally acting against not practicing what she preaches because she wants the money. And that was, you know, and I, I hate that. For, I hate hypocrites from both sides of the aisle, but especially hypocrites that are, that say they are, you know, believe in the certain things that I do and are woke like that. I can't stand uh-huh. that. And that was a good way to sort of tip the scales and make this not so much a conservative suck movie, which it kind of is, but it's just, it's more rich people suck no matter what side of the political spectrum uh-huh. they're on. And that's, you know, been a theme this year. A lot of movies have dealt with that. Um, this one, I think, did it the best, even though pa- people like Parasite a lot. And I didn't get it, but whatever. I didn't see it yet. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I know people, I would get crucified for saying that, I think. But it's totally fine. Um, and let's see. Christopher Plummer also really good as Harlan. Liked him a lot. He's going to die soon, and that makes me really sad. I know, it's a bummer. But the thing... Think of it. That, think of this though. He's playing an eighty-five-year-old, and IRL, he's eighty-nine. So he's still okay. playing younger. <laughs> he's eighty-nine. Oh, did they, they should have de-aged him? Yeah, they should have. They should Irish him. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I just I love this movie. I really did. Yeah, me too. Me, I, I'm just. This is the year. More than anything, like a lot of movies have, and we'll talk about this in a few weeks when we do our list and everything. There's been a lot of movies that have let me down, but all the movies that I had sky high, like in the air expectations they for, met, they met it. Every single one has pretty much met it and exceeded it. Like Hollywood is better than I thought it would be. This is way better than I thought it would be. Irishman was way better than I thought it would be, and that I'll take that over, you know, movies that I think are going to be great being great. But this year is like movies I think are going to be great that end up being excellent and like all timers, and I just I love that. It's. It's been a very weird, frustrating year, but the good shit has just been so good. Uh-huh. Um, and this is definitely one of those. But I want to hear more of what you think. Uh, likes, dislikes, anything you got. Steer the I conversation. I honestly can't think of any dislikes. But, um, yeah, I really just, I really love the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I lost faith in Ryan Johnson as a, as a movie maker. <laughs> I've cooled on The Last Jedi. Really? Significantly. When was the last time you watched it? It's been probably, I don't know, when was the last time I came to see you in the city? Uh, It was in July? July? Yeah, something like that. So it was either that time in July or the time before that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I watched it on the bus on the way. Okay. That's about. So it's been a little bit. I'll okay. watch it again. Well, at but... least you're at least you're like I've watched it and I don't like it as much as opposed to the people who are like I haven't seen it in like a year, but I've read a lot of stuff about it and I don't like it. I hate that. Uh, and it's just not just it's just I can't get past Canto Bite. <laughs> okay. Whatever. It is such a bad part whatever. of the movie, but like the rest of it is fine for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think this is three <laughs> three straight. Not masterpieces, but three straight awesome movies from Ryan Johnson. You know, Looper, Last Jedi, and this are just all kick-ass. And, you know. Um, 
I don't know if this is going to bring back the murder mystery genre. I don't think it will. Um, but it's definitely, it's going to, it, it is pushing complex storytelling, but not uninviting storytelling. Like it isn't, it isn't unreachable. It's, it's Uh complex, but it's still fun and it's still enjoyable. Um, I also, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Benoit Blanc character, Uh, you know, to do a detective when obviously you got Sherlock Holmes and the aforementioned Poirot, like it's a very, there's a lot of archetype, Batman even, there's a lot of archetypal detective characters. And I was actually worried about this one for a while because I thought he was an idiot. What do you mean? You thought he was dumb? I thought he was dumb. I thought he was a bad, I thought the bit was that he's a sucky detective and that was a joke. And that like we spend the entire movie, we as the audience know it's Marta and we don't, that she killed him accidentally as it may be, but she still did kill him. Um, and I just, I was kind of frustrated that Benoit Blanc didn't figure it out. Cause like the clues seem so obvious to me, but then at the very, like the maybe second to last scene, he points out and they did a quick oh, shot. Yeah, <laughs> he points out that he saw the blood on her shoe immediately. And he's known it's, it was her since day one. And that kind of re recontextualizes the movie for me. And I was like, Oh, but he did you notice how they showed us like, halfway through the movie that yeah. she had it on there. Yeah. But, and then he said he knew way before even us did, exactly. even before even we did. I loved that. I was, I was like, Oh, I was kind of like teetering on the edge of like, eh, four stars maybe, but I don't like how they do this character. And then I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan knows what he's doing. And I shot it back up. And I liked the idea of him as sort of a, not a bore detective, but he's sort of like the di- by the way, the dialogue in this is fantastic. And I love, Ryan's writing style. Um, but he's talking about how oftentimes he's sort of watching the arc of something move through the air and he just has to position himself to where it's going to land. But with this one, it was different and that it kind of reinvigorated his mind, Love I guess. For his job, yeah. Yeah. And got him fired up again. Thought that was really good to give him a story without him having to be the main character, you know? Um, and he's also just really fucking funny. Oh my God. Daniel Craig is a gift. He is a gift. Um, yeah. Uh, any other likes? I think I I've said pretty much. I like pretty much everything about this movie. There was I. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Right. Me too. Uh, I think it's a movie. You think it's a film? I think it. Yeah. Okay. I think it has too much commercial appeal to be a film. Really? Yeah. It's too funny to be a film. Interesting. But in the same way that I think, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a movie. But great. Do we have that discussion? I think so. Because I think we I did. Don't, you know. I don't know about that one. I think you agreed with me. It is, did I? Both, I think they're both cinema. But they also, I would most likely, I would categorize them in movie in terms of our metric, uh, our patented metric. So don't steal it. Uh, let's grade it out then. Nine and a half for me. I adored this. Yeah, same. Same. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, wow. It's really been a fun fall season. <laughs> and still more to come. Woohoo! Uncut Gems, Star Wars, Little Women. Oh my god, so exciting. Uh, all right, let's move on then to watching, reading, listening to. Did we talk about Mr. Rogers last time? No, we did not. 
Should we? we yeah. Let's make it a supersized episode. Oh, I don't think I have that much thoughts. Let's just cover and watch anything listening to. But I have something else I want to talk about for that. We'll talk about both. Let's talk about Mr. The Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I great. Lo- very, very great. Loved it a lot. Hanks is fantastic. Reese is great. Direction is fire. Uh, it's such a uh, kind of a left turn of what you'd expect from a Mr. Rogers movie. It is so much more. I think this is a film, personally. Yeah. Excellent writing. The direction, like they, you said. Because oh they could have taken the easy way out. Yeah. And made it a, just a, a straight biopic. Boring. But they... They told a story around the, around Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, he's like the antagonist of the movie. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Rogers is? I think so. How how do you say that? He shakes up the main character's life and makes him and forces him to introduce challenge conflict. Himself. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. That's funny. And I he also snaps his fingers way. and eliminates half the world. No. Um but yeah, I I loved the quirkiness of it. It was quirky without being like twee, you know. Uh-huh. Like there's a the the miniatures that they have as like you know when he flies to wherever they have like these little toy, you know, like I said miniatures, and I just uh, I love that. Did you like the dream sequence? Trying to remember when he's like a mouse sequence. when Matthew Reese is a mouse. Um, yeah, I didn't mind it. Yeah, it seems sort of out of place for a pretty grounded movie, mm-hmm. but. No, it didn't bother me at all. I think it, yeah, it Hanks, helped convey what he was trying to to say for sure. Right, Hanks was so good. He was very, very he good. Was so fucking good. Love that guy. Um, yeah. What well, uh, what grade would you give it? Uh, probably an eight and a half or a nine. Eight and I'm a half for me too. I'm back and forth on that one. Yeah. Are I really th- enjoyed it. Do you think all three of the movies that we just talked about are going to be on your list? All three that we just talked about? Yeah. I will, don't think all three are. Knives Out for sure. Probably. Irishman for sure. No. Uh, three. At least at least make it an honorable mention if it's not going to be on your list. Just do that we'll for see. me. Do that we'll for see. me. Just because you care. I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. Not on my list, but it's definitely ranks high. I really, really liked Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, Coldplay. Oof. Yeah. I didn't like it that much. I didn't like most of the album either. Yeah. I don't know why. I I get it. I get they need to get this album out of their system and that everybody wants to do an experimental album, whatever that means. Uh, but no. I, yeah. it's just, it was kind of angsty. It was angsty. Well, and like, like in like an annoying this, way. Like that, the Cry, Cry, Cry song and the, the one, uh, the, the gospel song, Broken or something like that. Uh, there just was a lot like it was i get that they were going for something cinematic but like even i don't i hate to do this but even when you two did an experimental album the songs were still songs and they weren't just like bridges to other songs but the yeah and, and then the also the problem with that is is that they also proved in this album that they can still make good cold play yeah like Orphans is a fucking banger, dude. Yeah, and Arabesque, <laughs> despite being experimental, it also works as a song. And it's yes. not just like, here's like the gospel. I hate the gospel song. I really fucking hate that song. You don't, it, does, it didn't need to be on the album. It didn't fit. It didn't mesh. And it's just, they're kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks seeing with this. Yeah. And I get it. Every band does this. I'm not holding it against them. But, 
there are some great individual tunes. Just as a cohesive album, I didn't think it worked. I agree with that. I liked that assessment. Uh, Trouble in Town, I really liked. Orphans and Arabesque are both solid. Everyday Life is solid. Churches might have been my favorite. Might be my favorite song from the album. You see, I'm trying to remember. I've only listened to the album to once because um, I listened to it to and from my way to work the day the album came out. Right. Um, the 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 soft piano song "Daddy" I also thought was really good. Kind of creeped me out. I really. Daddy I don't like that word. Daddy. <laughs> I don't like it. What do you mean, Daddy? Stop. Who's the president right now? Father. Steady. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it ranks. I think it probably ranks above parachutes, just because parachutes is kind of rough, and you know, there's a few good songs, but overall, it's the first it, album. It feels like a first album, and this the musicianship is way way better. It actually, would I think it would rank above Russia Blood of the Head too. I don't really care for that one. Like I still like X and Y, still like Ghost Stories, Viva La Vida. You see, um, Ghost Odo. Stories is probably my least favorite album. Really, huh. I don't like sad Coldplay very much. I thought it was kind of nice Coldplay. No, they're sad. That's that's him being sad about Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, so weird. <laughs> Who's sad um, about not having to hang out with Gwyneth Paltrow anymore? <laughs> Chris Martin. <laughs> Gross. She sucks. Uh, goop. That's all I have to say. He should have written a song on that. I'm putting on go- called, called Goop. Goop. <laughs> goop. I miss you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 an okay album. They're gonna they're they're gonna release another one next year and tour that one. So great, that's cool. Is that true? Do you, do you know if that's true? Yeah, that's true. They said so. Orphans was gonna be on that album, but they decide, but they felt that it was like insisting that it be put on this album and be the lead single, which that doesn't mean a goddamn thing, but whatever they said it and they're not touring with this one. So they're just, you see, that's good. I don't, this is the one album I would (laughs) probably not want to go see live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would, I'd I'd fuck up a conventional Coldplay album. Yeah. That's coming. I feel like this is an album though. And this, you know, I, and U2's last two kind of have been this way. Like, I think you could rearrange the album into a different running order and cut out some songs and put them in different spots that I think it would work a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I kind of want to do that and find, like, a really good, a better Everyday Life mix. Because, honestly, I would put the I would put Everyday Life, and just doing this on the fly, I think I'd put Everyday Life, the song, first. I think it, it's Makes a nice sense. tone setter. It shouldn't be at the end. It should be at the beginning. And then maybe have... Well, Sunrise is a fine opening yeah that's one of those things it's like it's a bridge song it's not an actual song well i, I mean but i don't like, like the filler best Coldplay songs. album had intros to their songs yeah i don't like those i just put them on the song i don't want the extra track it gives me that's a false fair. sense of that's hope what the, that's what they do in the live exactly. versions of the songs yeah like color spectrum and i think the other one you're talking about like life in technicolor um i'm talking like uh and the milo's idol to one yeah, all Great. the ones on Miles I Love um, MM. Yeah, no, that's not what it's called. No, MMIX. It's uh, is that the one that comes before every teardrop is a waterfall? I think so. Because of that. Good. That that elevates the song. <laughs> yeah, they're great pieces of music, but it's it's all about that skip. That if you're listening on a phone, like on Apple Music or Spotify, there's always that like little skip that goes, that kind of ruins the moment. You know. 
Uh-huh. And I just would rather you put it... Like, I'm sure it sounds better on a record, maybe, but I just wish they would just tack that on, because I don't mind it. Because they're beautiful pieces of music, except even the ones in this one. Uh, but it just... I don't know. I, it just messes my head. And there's also that one, like, uh, Power... P-O-P-T-P-W-O-W or something like that that I hated. And I don't know. Maybe I'll put a running order and I'll tweet it out and just the better everyday life. Because <laughs> um, at so least... I guess that's a... Um, what, so what's your favorite Coldplay album? Is it... Uh, Milo. Milo's... Okay. Mine too. Okay. Um, but what do you... So you said Life in Technicolor. Yeah. Was a... Banger. Intro song. It is a banger. Have you ever listened to... Two, yeah. That, that single word, that is literally my favorite Coldplay song. Yeah, it's really, really great. It is my absolute favorite. It is very, very... Oh! Oh, the top songs is out this year. Yeah, oh do you want to go through ours? Sure. Because I think mine's kind of funny. I'm trying to remember oh, wait, what it was. Hold on, I need to get my phone. One second. Oopsie. Okay, so in 2019... I change with the seasons. Spring, summer, fall. Ah, my number one artist was the Rolling Stones. Two, Let me play mine. Two was, two was Keen, three U2, four Springsteen, five Suzanne Sun 4. Okay. I have a lot of U2 on my <laughs> normal. <laughs> oh my God, do you not know Really? Her? I do know her. She's, I know she has, okay, so I don't listen to her very often. Oh my God, she's the queen. She's my favorite. But you know, you know what song of hers absolutely slaps more than anything in the world? Oblivion? Yeah. Fuck yeah. That was my intro to her. I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Um, it's so good. Yeah. So Stones, Keen, U2, Bruce Springsteen, Suzanne Sun 4. It would be U2. I just have them on my phone elsewhere, that uh, not on Spotify. Ah, let me turn it down. I'm sorry. World Citizen. When it comes to music, your borders disappear. You listen to artists from 34 countries. Cool. I guess. Okay. When do you want me to? Uh... Here, I'm just going to run through mine. You were genre fluid. Folk pop was my biggest. Uh-oh. Pop. <laughs> I'm such a douche. Modern rock, Hollywood rock, and soundtrack were the other four. And you love these songs the most. Slow Burn by Casey Musgraves. Yikes. Um, Sway Live by the Rolling Stones. That's a banger. Not going to apologize for that one. Now or Never Now by Metric. Also a banger. Uh, Red Hill Mining Town, Live from the Joshua Tree Tour. You too. Also a banger. Sundown by Bruce Springsteen. Yet again, banger. Okay, those are pretty good. So you put them on this playlist for you. Thanks. Uh, podcasts. I only listen to one. And NPR podcast. I listen to ours on the oh, normal one. You discovered 489 artists this year, but you really vibe with Sundara Karma. I did. They were really good. 2010s wouldn't have been the same without you. What? Oh, my God. I spent 24,000 minutes listening to Spotify this year. Wow. That's a lot. Music that defined your decade. Oh, jeez. I'm not going to say that one out loud. Top artist, Keith Richards. Okay. Oh, that was 14. Okay. Now it's just, oh, Thomas Newman. <laughs> 2016, top artist, Bob Dylan. <laughs> okay, let's keep it to 2019 so this doesn't go forever. 17, you two. Artist of the decade is The Rolling Stones. What? That's weird. Well, like I said, you two is, my, they're my number two, but they're not. I have them on my phone elsewhere. Oh, that's interesting. 
That is interesting. Tell me yours. Okay, so my top artist is Coldplay. Of course. Yellow is their song I listen to the most. Look at the stars. 36 hours. Jesus. I've spent listening to just them. (laughs) So my one was Coldplay, two, Houndmouth, three, The Beatles, four, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, I I recommended (laughs) Houndmouth to you, didn't I? Nope, other way around. I think I I did. Uh, That's weird. I am also a world citizen. Mm -hmm. I am genre fluid. The songs I loved the most, My Cousin Greg (laughs) was one of them. I have the playlist. The fuck? Um, Thanks, 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 thanks. It's been here since 2011, apparently, or 2013. Top artist Coldplay, top song Step Out. 20, where are we? Fuck. Okay. Yeah, Coldplay. I like Coldplay. So I am the what uh, the authority when I say it's not very good. Any movies you want to talk about, Mason? Uh, 1917 no, I, I is great, one. but we will talk about it at a later yeah, time. Yeah, let's not talk about that right now. Exactly, that's why I said that. <laughs> good deal, good deal. Uh, let's see, anything else? I rewatched The Phantom Menace, and it fucking sucks. Eh. I have a very fun notes review if anybody wants to take a peek. And that's about it. What about you? I watched a movie last night called The Game by David Fincher. Good movie. And it was just an episode of Goosebumps. No, that movie was really, it was really great. I very much enjoyed it. Would oh. you, would you want somebody, what if I did that to you? Would you be mad? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'd be upset. <laughs> Why? I'm just trying to make you better. I guess, but yikes. <laughs> I promise I probably won't. It'd be expensive. It's worth it to get you to shake you shake your foundation. Fair enough. It was good. <laughs> yeah, I really really loved that movie. Um, I'd watch it again. I'd give it an eight. Nice, very nice. Where's Rankin Fincher for you? I don't know that many Fincher movies. If I'm being honest, probably just below The Social Network. Is that him? Yeah. Was that tangible? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Speaking of, where does Irishman rank for Scorsese? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Okay. I'll get back to you next yeah. time. That one's going to be a big Oscar juggernaut. Oh, my gosh. It's already getting awards, and it's going to get a ton more. I think it's probably going to lead in overall at nominations, would be my guess. You think? Yeah, just because of the performance. It's going to stack the acting categories. Probably best picture. Definitely best picture. Probably best director. Cinematography, production design. Um, maybe not original score. VFX. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna kill. And editing. Oh my, it better fucking win editing. Oh my, I'm right if it doesn't win editing. <laughs> but yeah. Knives Out, I think it definitely best original screenplay. It's up, I think it should be up for. Honestly, I think it might get a best picture nom. Starting to think that. You think so? I think so. Feels like it will. Um, and yeah, hopefully. But most importantly, hopefully, it gets a sequel. That's what I want. Ryan Johnson says he has an idea and a title for the next one, and if he wants to, he wants to make these every few years forever, as long as he can. Good I for think him. that'd be awesome. 
let him. Yeah. Because this made a lot of money. I think it's made $77 million so far. Only wow. a couple In only a week or so. So that's really good. It probably didn't cost that much money to make either. How much do you think? I don't know. 10 40 Okay. But that's honestly a lot of salaries, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. That, a lot so of big I, names in this movie. I couldn't have... Yeah, I was like... I was kind of shocked by that. I really thought it'd be like twenty, twenty-five million at the most because it's such a so self-contained. But I guess whatever. I guess for how quickly it kind of came together, I'm assuming that they had to pay people a little bit more to get them so quick. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I got to shoot this other thing in like December. So, but if you throw in an extra million, you know, kind of a deal. But that's <laughs> just my guess. I don't know. It just feels like that because uh, you really don't see the money on the screen too much. Whatever. All right. I think that'll do it, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, how long have we been doing this for? Uh, the runtime will be about... Two hours. A... Really? Seems longer. Yeah, just about. I'm a chatterbox. What can I say? Yes, well, sir. until next time, you can follow us at underscore RealFlix on Twitter. Leave an iTunes review. Check us out on Spotify. Especially since we just shouted out Spotify. And send us an email for at realflixpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, Cody, my dear friend, take it easy. Goodbye.